Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to VUX World, the Practical Voice Podcast. On today's episode, me and Dustin are speaking with Sarah Andrew Wilson of Matchbox IO. Now you might remember at the back end of last year, Matchbox acquired Aperlo and all of Aperlo's skills. So we're chatting to Sarah today about that and about what skills they have now acquired and what it's like now managing a stable of skills. They've got about 18 skills or something like that. It's quite a lot. Uh, so we talk about the the management and the maintenance of those skills we talk about as well what advice would sarah have for people just getting started making alexa skills today i mean matchbox started out in 2017 and had the early kind of first mover advantage but what would you do and what would sarah do what would her advice be to people who want to get started today we also talk about some of the techniques and some of the practices and and ways in which they create their skills to be so engaging and we look at the three kind of core pillars of matchbox skills which is their aims is to try and teach something new every day to try and create really high quality content and to try and get people to come back tomorrow so we talk about that as well and also we chat about the future of the platform and whether or not we might see advertising come into play fairly soon Also, before we get started, I will be at Project Voice next week. So do reach out to me if you are there. If you haven't been on the podcast yet and you are working in this space and you're up to some interesting stuff, come and find me. We'll be doing a whole load of podcast recordings all throughout the day. I'm running a workshop on international VUX design best practices on Monday. So do pop along to that if you are around. I'm doing the closing keynote on Thursday and a few panel discussions during the week as well. Uh, And I'll be around for the whole week and I'm really looking forward to meeting all of you listeners of the podcast and people who we haven't met in person yet so you know do reach out to me let's let's chat beforehand and we'll schedule some time in to get together in Project Voice. Now without further ado boys and girls this is Sarah Andrew Wilson of Matchbox on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims, the one and only Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about boys. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Sarah Andrew Wilson from Matchbox IO, who's had a busy few weeks over the last few weeks. What's gone yes. down? Yeah, what's going down? Well, uh, Matchbox recently, I mean, there's a lot going on, but the recent news uh, a couple weeks ago is that we acquired all of Aperlo's skills, all of their Alexi skills. Um, and it's been, uh, Jess and Oscar have been absolutely fantastic to work with, and they've been working with us through the transition. And I was a big fan of their, their work beforehand uh, just over the past couple of years. So it's a real honor um, to, you know, have their skills now. And um, I feel a great responsibility to continue mm-hmm. on their, their high level of excellence. So how many was there then? How many skills did, did you acquire in total? I'm on the website. I'm, the Apollo website still up, by the way. I'm on that website now and there's quite uh, a few things on there how many was there like 10 skills something like that yeah uh that's a great question how many so we had five before the acquisition now we have 18 so um 13 yeah 13 yeah nice yeah and so So the portfolio now has you know it's a wide range so it's 18 apps on alexi and then 
Sorry, I'm saying Alexi, as I'm sure a lot of folks do, so I don't set off everything. Um, no, there's, it's a it's a nice, well-rounded portfolio now that we have of uh, game, utility, and wellness apps. Uh, so it's a nice kind of, yeah, comprehensive portfolio. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so I imagine that the uh, workload has, well, if there's, now th- if there's now 18 and there was five, your workload's kind of like tripled, hasn't it? It tripled. <laughs> Overnight, it tripled. <laughs> Um, but we had a nice plan in place on how to, um, how to manage that. And we brought on a couple of really fantastic people to help us, um, you know, both on the content side and on the coding side. And, um, it's going, it's going really well now. So Mm. do they take much kind of like for some of these skills that have been in existence for, for a while, like Panda Rescue and stuff like that, I don't know. Um, I haven't, I haven't necessarily experienced all of them, but Mm -hmm. Is there much upkeep involved in these? Are these live, constantly updating skills, or is most of the stuff you've been doing just making sure that nothing's falling over? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. I like to think of it as a top spinning, you know, on top of sticks, and you just have to make sure that they all continue spinning. And every once in a while, there's one that's wobbling, uh, and you have to go, you know, take care of that. Um, but no, it's a combination of the two. So some are, it's just maintenance. It's just making sure everything's going swimmingly and planning on how to enhance the experience for the future. And then others have content um, every day, brand new content every day. So, you know, our question of the day, of course, has always had brand new content. Um, and now we have riddle of the day that requires brand new content every day. Um, and then others just need the occasional refresh. So it's, Keeping us on our toes. <laughs> nice. And so how would you describe Matchbox then as, as a company? What, how would you, if you were going to describe Matchbox to, to a listener who, who hasn't come across it, how would you describe it? Yeah, so we're um, one of the leading companies uh, of highly popular and engaging voice apps. So voice apps on Amazon Alexa and Samsung Bixby and Google Assistant. Um and it's like I said earlier, it's a wide portfolio of game utility and uh, wellness apps. So it's a little something for everyone, something for as young as, you know, five years of age through a lot of our kids skills all the way through, you know, adults and seniors. And, uh, and we try to really um, create age appropriate content in everything that we do. So we want to make sure if that five-year-old, um, that five-year-old that's playing, you know, kids quiz or animal rescue is having a really age appropriate experience. Um, that would be different than an eight-year-old who's playing kids quiz. Uh, that's going to be different than a 15-year-old and then a 55-year-old. So we want to make sure that everyone's having a really positive experience. Hmm. And what what's what what's your role then there? And I, I appreciate that maybe expanding rapidly or growing rapidly as you've kind of took on a hell of a lot more. But you know, yeah. your CCO, <laughs> Chief Creative Officer, I'm assuming. What, what what's your sort of like daily daily role at Matchbox? Yeah, so I oversee content, design, and communications. So the content is uh, again making sure. Uh, all of the content is age appropriate, engaging, educational. We really have an educational um, focus on a lot of what we do. 
Uh, and I work with the team when we're creating new apps. We're working on a few right now, just making sure they have really quality, very high quality design. And then communications, which covers everything from customer service to social media. We have active social media community um, and everything in between. Um, the customer service aspect is uh, a big part of my day to day and just fielding those daily inquiries from from all of our fans around the world who might be discovering, they might have discovered a bug for us or they might be misunderstanding how something works or it's just making sure they have a positive experience with us. And what's your background? How did you and how did Matchbox get into building for voice first? Oh yeah. So um, I've been with Matchbox um, since mid 2017. And then I came on full-time last year. So mid 2018, so it's about a year and a half that I've been on full-time previously. I spent my career in, uh, the music industry. So both on the for-profit and the nonprofit side of the music industry and in music education. Um, so I was a performer, I'm a flutist, a classical flutist. So I was a performer and a conductor and a teacher and a tour manager, uh, director, arts manager, everything in between and um, worked with jazz organizations, classical organizations, opera organizations, performing arts organizations, um, and did that for many years, worked with some really, really well-known artists and educators. And then um, in mid-2017, so Matchbox was founded at the beginning of 2017 by our founder and CEO, Joel Wilson, and he was at the time was a consultant and was had that that time that a lot of consultants have where one contract has ended and the next contract starts in like two weeks so like a two-week period he had just bought an alexi device and just started tinkering around and created question of the day he was trying to think of something that he could create where it wouldn't create a lot of wouldn't require a lot of um upkeep and a lot of it just he was thinking he could do one question a day that how, how hard that could that be? Um, and then at, so he published that and it slowly gained traction. And then in mid 2017, about six months into it, he came to me knowing my background in uh, education and having trained years as a musician um, asked if I could start creating content for question of the day, because question of the day turned out, it wasn't just one question a day <laughs> that he had to create. Uh, we also had bonus questions that had to uh, be written. And so suddenly it, it just started exploding. A lot of people really latched onto it and started playing every day. Um, so I started doing content on the side in 2017. And then a year later, just things really took off. So I came on full time. We got a lot of requests from question of the day users for a kid friendly version. So no, again, knowing my background in education, when I came on full time, we started right away with kids quiz and building kids quiz. And that's that launched a couple months later um, in October 2018, somewhere in there. Um, and that quickly became, you know, a, a hit in the kids skills uh, category. And then we just keep adding on. We have three questions, uh, which is like question of the day, but it's for people who want three questions a day. And then um, we just launched Sound Machine, which is an all-in-one ambient uh, sound skill. And now we have all of these additional apps that we just added in the past months um, so that we're, we're managing all of those as well. Wow. And so 
That kind of story of Joel is is similar to uh, Tom Hewitson from Labworks, and oh. in terms of kind of like having a spare bit of time, and then thinking, yeah. oh, I'll, I'll just maybe play around here, and then I think they created uh, might have been Beat the Intro, or no, it wasn't Beat the Intro, it was um, Would You Rather. And ah, so a similar yeah, kind yeah. of thing, like created it in like a weekend or a week or something like that, and then mm-hmm. like slowly started gaining traction and stuff like that. Do you think that's kind of because most of the the successful companies, Matchbox being one, Labworks being one, Invoked Apps being one, you know, yeah. they kind of started with similar kind of beginnings in 2017 mm-hmm. or so. Um, yeah. Do you think that that is the kind of like one of the um, important parts of having a company that is a self-sustaining company in the voice ecosystem being there at the beginning? Oh, um, that's a great question. I think it, it helped for if you're an independent developer, we'll call them indie developers that definitely has helped to be in there, um, from the beginning, because then you have that much more time to learn from your users, that much more time to understand what works and what doesn't work. Um, so that question of the day in the beginning, um, it was just simple. It was uh, one question. You receive a little bit of a factoid afterwards, and that was it. There was no stats. There was no bonus question. There was no you know uh, trivia club, which we can get to in a minute. There was there was none of that. And it was through the feedback from the users that they told us, you know, you know, can you add in some stats? Like most games have stats. And we're like, oh, yes, of course. Bonus question. Um, you know, so as, as we went along, started adding in these different things um, and then started really driving, drilling down to start providing what users were requesting. And that takes time and that takes trial and error. And you need time to be able to... Um, make those mistakes and make those errors and learn from those errors. And I've had this conversation with several people where if you're, you're an indie developer coming in at this point, it is pretty difficult to make a splash. Um, so it's, I think that to answer your question, I think it definitely did help. Hmm. Why do you think it's harder now? Is it because the skill store is, saturated is it because there is already a whole host of skills that people are already using um what what do you think is maybe some of the reasons why it's it might be harder for people to to get started today yeah well you know as amazon says they have a hundred thousand skills <laughs> and back in uh 2017 i don't know what the numbers were but i it, it was no not a hundred thousand <laughs> what's that would you say it was nowhere near that yeah i mean i, I don't know if it was five thousand or i i honestly don't know but it's a lot easier to make a splash when say you're one of five thousand than when you're one of a hundred thousand um i also think that a lot of um there's going to be there's there's like a changing of the tide like we're kind of in the middle of it right now and kind of moving from indie developers to uh, companies that are more established like Matchbox and Labworks. Um, and that more global brands will start getting into it. Those that have 
um, traction behind momentum behind them. And then also have marketing teams that understand marketing. Um, you can have the best skill in the world, but if it's just listed as one of a hundred thousand in the skill store and you don't have a marketing, marketing prowess or marketing team behind you, um, it can be very difficult to be discovered. I don't think it's on all on Amazon to promote you know, individual skills. I think it's really up to the developers to create their own marketing plans. Um, but uh, it would be hard getting started now. But like I said, I think there's this this shift, this tide that's that's turning right now um, away from the sole indie developers into more company and global brands coming into the space. If you... Sarah, if you were an indie developer now, because we don't want everyone to shut off the podcast now and go, okay, I'm done. Uh, there's no chance for me. Uh, if you were an indie developer now, what would you be doing to get traction, to get people using your skills? Ah, that's a great question. And everyone's been talking about this. That is that is the, the big question out there. Um, so I think if you have a really great product, a really great game or utility or something that um, hasn't really, um, you just have a really great idea that really hasn't been done before um, to really create an, an exceptional experience and then maybe bring it to a company that has additional traction, that has some traction that can help you um, get that, get your skill out there. Um, and that could mean a marketing company, a company that really knows how to help get the word out, um, or, you know, a, di a different type of company to work with. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Using, using the leverage of another company to kind of distribute almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, if you have, again, going back to one skill out of 100,000, um, it's hard to get noticed. But if you can use the momentum that another organization has created um, or the one big message I do have for indie developers is to know your limits and to know what your, your own strengths and weaknesses are. And this goes for any industry, right? to know if you're really excellent at code and design, but you don't know anything about marketing beyond an email blast or friends and family, getting the word out, that kind of thing. Um, you have to admit that to yourself and then to make sure you build a team that fills out what your kind of what your own weaknesses are or what your blind spots are. Right. Um, or if you're really great with content and you have a really great, idea for a skill, but you don't know code, uh, you have to admit that to yourself and then go work with VoiceFlow or another uh, organization like that, that can help you build it out. Um, and then, you know, you just have to make sure that your kind of your blind spots are covered as you're moving forward. Hmm. You mentioned the, the 100,000 skills and you're right. If you think about a hundred thousand individual skills, it seems like a complete ocean to just drop another one into. And like, there's been, I think we could probably look at 2016 and say that um, 
it was a lot of experimentation, a lot of kind of like people creating because they can kind of thing, like random cat facts and dad jokes and stuff like that. And then kind of like 2017, 2018, things started kind of finding the feet a little bit, invoked apps with the ambient sound skills, Matchbox, Labworks kind of started, you know, Pretzel Lab started to kind of like find stuff that's starting to work. Questions, audio, games, earplay, your likes of interactive stories and stuff like that. Um, and I think 2019 has been a, a lot about kind of brands trying to figure out where they can sort of play. But in terms of the the ecosystem that's there at the moment of those 100,000 skills, obviously some of them are going to be fairly terrible, some of them are going to be fairly decent. Do you think that the, the, the kind of the types of skills and the types of uh, use cases have been figured out as in audio interactive audio, question-based quizzes, uh, interactive stories and games. Do you think that that is what it is and those are the areas to play in? Or do you think that there is still experimentation and kind of innovation to happen? There is still innovation and experimentation coming. <laughs> um, you know, there's been the idea that there's no one breakout skill yet, uh, breakout voice app. And I don't know if there is going to be, I'm, I'm fascinated by that question. Like, is this just different than the mobile app, um, you know, arena uh, where there just won't be a breakout, but it'll be a breakout, some breakout idea. It won't be a breakout skill, but like a breakout idea. Um, I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that kind of thing. It's really great food for thought. Um, but I think there there's a lot to come still. And I think global brands uh, are going to bring some really fascinating ideas. Um, once they realize that the voice platform is just another wonderful kind of natural way to reach their, their customers. And um, it's not voice only. It's not like, okay, you have to abandon your other techniques to reach your customers and just do voice now. It's just you're adding voice to as another way to reach your customers and in kind of an, a seemingly natural way for a lot of people. Uh, so I think there's a lot to come in that area. Um, I think the 20 set, the apps we've seen in 2017 and 2018 um, were just all really great experiments and um, where people are just kind of poking over here and poking over there and saying, well, what happens if I do this? Um, and I think that'll continue on a much on, on the larger global brand scale at some point. In your opinion, in 2020, what are those new experiences? What are those new apps that are going to enthrall people? Yeah. So I don't know if it's apps or if it's experiences. Does that make sense? I don't know. It, so, so hang on. So uh, thinking about direct connections that just came out, that's fascinating. You know, that just come out on, on uh, Amazon Alexa. What are the possibilities with that? And that's not just app folk. That's just not focused on, you know, this breakout skill or that's, that's focused on the overall experience and using a smart speaker. And I think that's going to start shifting how um, users think of their smart speakers, but also how developers uh, and brands are going to start thinking about their smart speakers. So if I knew what the, what the big, the big um, you know, popular apps are going to look like in 2020, 
uh, I'd go build it right now. <laughs> but, yeah. And I wouldn't tell you what it was. Um, <laughs> but, well, well, so, uh, yeah, so but talk us through that. So you talked about skill connections and obviously you don't have to give us the exact details of what you're going to build in 2020, but to make things interesting for people who are listening, what are some of the qualities of these experiences that you think are going to be seen? Yeah, I think they're contextual. They're contextual and um, what the user is really looking for, where you don't have to have one experience, close it out, start the next experience and have to kind of re-explain or have to find exactly the right words to like get the information that you need. It's going to be much more contextual. And when done right, I think, you know, um, the the direct connections can um, be really helpful to customers and that will help, um, I think that'll help kind of cross promotion as well within the apps. Mm. I can see how, you know, I think the examples Amazon gave in, in the, um, the presentation when they first kind of announced it was things like, you know, if you booked a movie ticket with a theater, then one of the skill to skill connections might be that it would send you over to like a taxi service or a restaurant or something like that. Um, and I can see and that's kind of along the lines. I don't know whether you've seen the poster. I think it might have been John Kelvey from Bespoken that, that um, wrote about it, where he was kind of saying that the, the kind of ecosystem will be moving more towards domain specific stuff rather than like a skill for this and a skill for that. Having like domains where, you know, and this is kind of along those sort of lines, like if a domain is an evening out, there might be a number of different skills that all contribute to somebody organizing an evening out which might be a movie ticket and a restaurant and a, um, a taxi service or what have you um but if you're in if you're not in the sort of like um booking of stuff you know if you don't have like a physical service or you don't sell physical products and things like that if you are a kind of like consumer facing uh company which matchbox are are you thinking about this stuff as more of a way to get people from one skill to try another skill or is you know taking people from one environment to another or is there any other things that that might be uh useful do you think yeah so i that's where i, I go back to the idea of the experience um, and Dustin, I know you didn't like that, ex that, that explanation, but just thinking of what kind of experience can you create for a user where it's not just a two minute experience, um, but that it's a more comprehensive experience that if they're interested in this topic, can you help them learn more? And I'm always going back as an educator, going back to how can I help people learn more? So if you're interested in this topic, how can I help them learn more about that in a different way? You know, so you have it like this and can you turn it this way and help them learn uh, about that and then dive in deeper if they want to for another five minutes over here. Um, so that's what I mean about just creating a better experience, contextual experience for, for consumers, you know? Mm. You mentioned marketing uh, in terms of people need to be thinking about ways to promote their skills and market their skills. And a company like Matchbox 
wouldn't necessarily be able to exist unless it had users and engaged users uh, that, that keep returning or new users that you keep acquiring. And so you must have some kind of uh, secret source maybe going on uh, or, or, or being looked at very favorably by, uh, by some of the people at Amazon. I don't know. But I know you've got a really active social media kind of Facebook community. and You've kind of referenced that a little bit earlier on. So what are some of the things that you do now to either promote skills to new people or to keep people from coming back or keep people encourage people to come back rather than not keep them from (laughs) yeah 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 so in general we have three three uh goals for all of the experiences um that we offer people so if you're a fan you come to any of the matchbox apps we want you to learn something new every day Um, we want you to learn something new from high quality content and we want you to come back tomorrow. That's like, you know, business 101 for any kind of business around the world. You want your customers to come back. So what can we do to make sure that you learn something new from high quality content and that you want to come back tomorrow to continue experiencing that? So everything, so we look at that from a content side and we look at at that from an analytics side. So our, our overall DNA is data analytics combined with the creative. So we want to make sure that we are on top of our analytics, that we know when our users come in, how their experience is, how long they're in each experience with us. um, Where are the, um, you know, pain points along the way, Uh, when do people try to come back into an experience? And if we are able to adapt something so that they're in the experience a little bit longer um, or that they stay with us a little bit for instead of 30 days in a row, if we can extend that to 40 days in a row or for three months in a row to, you know, four months in a row, what are some things that we can do? So you have to know how to read those data analytics and then, know how to um, adapt things on the content side. Uh, So we have lots of techniques with this. So I'm I'm trying to figure out where to start. Um, So one good example, I guess, is with question of the day, which is sort of our flagship app, right? Um, With question of the day, you just as um, as a regular user, you can get the daily question. um, And then if you answer that correctly, you get a bonus question. Um, and then you, you learn about your personal stats that accumulate over time. And that's the overall experience. Um, we extended that from just being through the a smart speaker over to Facebook. So we have a Facebook community that's now about 8,500 fans. Uh, we just celebrated 8,000, reaching 8,000. So we're about 8,500 now. And we extend it over there so that you can learn more about the topic from the question from the day before. We'll tell you what the question was, and then we'll give you a little factoid and a link so that you can learn more. And this has proven really effective because uh, users can interact with each other. It feels like a very social community. Um, They can say, oh my gosh, I learned that I learned that in eighth grade and I forgot about that already. And so this was a great reminder. And someone else will say, you know, I just saw this television program about this topic. And they say, you know, it's really interesting to see how the the users interact with each other. Um, They also let us know when there's a bug, (laughs) if there's some kind of negative experience that they've had. um, And we much prefer that 
coming to us on Facebook to let, let us know that than in a, a one-star review. Um, so we try to extend the experience that way. And then we also have a flash briefing, a question of the day flash briefing so that people who might've missed yesterday's question, um, they can still learn about yesterday's question. You can't interact with it, but you can hear what the question was. You can hear a little bit more about that topic and you can hear how different people, um, you know, how they fared with that particular topic. So um, those are some of the social media and um, kind of content ways that we try to keep people engaged. Um, one thing to talk about with upsell messaging. So we have trivia club with question of the day. So for people who are really into trivia and they don't want just the one daily question, um, they can sign up for trivia club for a monthly subscription and you get the daily question. You get three challenge questions a day. So it's four questions every day. And then you get um, participation in leaderboards regionally and nationally, and then unlimited access to our multiplayer game pack. So you get all of that, um, uh, you know, through your monthly subscription. And um, for the upsell messages, this goes back to data analytics and content. The upsell messages for that within the skill, just to let people know about Trivia Club, um, we let them know about it. And we saw in the beginning that there was, there was some interest. Some people would go ahead and sign up for Trivia Club, but it wasn't as much as we thought it would be. So we wound up redoing the upsell message and changed one word in our message. One word. And we saw a 17% increase. Wow. What, in, was, it, what was it before? Uh, what was the before phrase? See, I, I don't want to share that. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> because um, I'll just—it's just an upsell message, and we just put in one—you know—we changed one word. Fair enough. And um, even if I share what it was, it, it works for us, but it might not work for the for someone who's listening right now. You just have to find the the right language that works for your fans, that works for your experience. Uh, that like blew our minds. Just using the analytics to then a B tests different messages and then finding this big increase. So um, I think that's really what's at our core is like I said, data analytics and then adjusting the content as needed from there. Was it changing one word and just changing either adding or removing or swapping out a word or was it also changing the way that it was said? That's a great point. Uh, we didn't change the way it was said, but we did. Um, it was just um, substituting one word for the other. Okay. You know? Mm. So you could say you changed two words. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to tease this out of you. If I, I think if I just keep trying uh, to get, get hints, <laughs> eventually you'll tell us what that one word is. <laughs> I'm not going to say, um, but no, like, but like I said, it's what worked for us isn't necessarily going to work for someone else. It's just a good reminder to really be very, very thoughtful about, about the words that you choose and that the real estate that you have in voice is much smaller than you have when there are graphics involved on a website or wherever else, the real estate you have is precious, much more precious and voice 
So you need to make sure that the words you choose are very thoughtful and tested and, um, um, you know, it'll make a world of difference if, if you just put, put a lot of thought into it. So you said you did A-B testing as well. Is that what, is that what you tend to do is you would, what would you do? Would you do like some split testing on specific things like this call to action versus that call to action? Is that, would you like isolate one feature and run a split test on, on that? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And, and are you using any tooling for that or have you like built something yourself that we have built something ourselves yeah yeah the fascinating thing over the past year or two is that there's all these wonderful tools for people um, that you can now you know third-party tools that are are out there to help developers um, that i just think is wonderful it's just like the community helping the community Um, we built a lot of this ourselves at a time when those services weren't available or they weren't quite what we were looking for Um, so we're just continuing to use our own you know, our own tools, I guess. And you mentioned that you've got like an upsell to kind of take people from the normal question of the day to the trivia club uh, kind of like package uh, or subscription. Have you got, is that the primary way of, of Matchbox generating revenue? Is that the, the, the primary source of income is in-scale purchasing or is it like developer rewards or what's what's the... How how does Matchbox exist? (laughs) Yeah. So we have been completely bootstrapped um, and self-funded because we can be through uh, things like Trivia Club. Okay. We've been able to build a company with full-time employees, contractors. Um, We started off with the developer rewards and I think the developer rewards um, served a beautiful purpose and for us worked just as they were meant to, which was to help us get going and then help us, um, help us get going until we could figure out the self-funding part of it. Um, and bless Amazon for having those rewards, um, and really encouraging innovation and people trying to think creatively and, um, you know, getting rewarded for that. And we're now getting to the point where we, um, uh, it's all through ISPs that we're able to be funded. Wow. Yeah. That's a pretty- and now if anyone's listening, I should say we're always open to funding opportunities. <laughs> we're always open to talking with anyone who wants to talk. Um, we're, we're not going to turn down any, any conversation, but so far we've been able to be self-funded um, through, through Trivia Club and things like that. Wow. That's a pretty good kind of story, that because it's it's like it's almost as if the developer rewards kind of did did their job really in yes. terms of giving you time um, yes. to keep you hanging around to to work on things yes. and perfect things until you can figure out a revenue model. I think, and I think that was the whole point of the developer rewards. I I don't think the point was to continuously fund developers, you know, like that would be the main, the main source of revenue for developers. I think it's, it's acting as it should, which is to, to give people a boost and motivation to keep going. And until you can kind of figure things out on your own, bless them for that program. Thank you, Amazon. (laughs) That is good. It is good. So do you think that, um, 
generating revenue and selling stuff is obviously one thing that Amazon are pretty good at. So it kind of makes sense that they would encourage others to do so and, and take a pretty sizable cut in the process. But one of the other things is obviously uh, like paid stuff, advertising, stuff like that. Do you think that it'll get to a point where uh, we'll see more advertising on voice devices or do you think that the general intrusive nature would be a little bit too much? Yeah, I think so. I think we are going to see that. I think um, the platform companies and developers are going to have to be very creative so as to not piss off users, <laughs> right? Um, it would be, it's very, very easy uh, to, to make a user cranky and you really, you, you know, you have to tread very lightly and uh, make sure that any upsell messaging or eventually advertising um, makes sense and fits the environment in which they're hearing it. Um, like I said, the real estate is so much more limited uh, in voice than it is for other medium media. And so you have to be really careful about introducing that. I, it's coming. It's just there has to be all sorts of guidelines and um, test cases and that kind of thing before it becomes, you know, more universal. Hmm. What do you think? Is it coming? I don't know. I'm, I'm, for me, I think uh, when I opened the app, and I was glad to see that when you open the app, every now and then there is like a, um, a like a splash screen in there that says "Try this skill out." But then yeah. what I realised is that most of the time I go to the app, I'm going there for something specific, and when I get to that point and there's a big splash screen, it starts to piss me off. So it's kind of like yeah, it yeah, starts yeah. becoming ineffective. And then some of the other things that I've noticed is that. The, the times where you might want to advertise is like, or where, what Amazon are trying to do with promoting other skills and stuff like that is at the end of a of an experience. So you'll say quit, and then it'll say, do you want to try something? And usually mm -hmm. I'll say quit because that's the end of my kind of interaction with it, and so I'm, I just want it to show up really. And sometimes I've even left the room while it's still kind of talking. Um, so I think you're right that it needs to be done incredibly sensitively if it if it is going mm -hmm. to and maybe it's the interactive nature of voice might help a little bit but i think it will be um it will have to be done i agree and have to be done very sensitively what do you think dustin it's an interesting question it's an interesting conversation i was chatting with nick mcshane from progress partners last week and he had this idea that the advertising spin tends to rise to the the share of uh consumer media and so if we look at the internet, right, the internet is, let's say, I'm just making up these numbers, but people are spending 20% of their time or 25% of their time on the internet. Advertising costs are on the internet are 20 to 25% compared to TV, newspaper, uh, display, et cetera. And so with voice, if voice is going to grow to, let's say, uh, a fifth of the internet or half of mobile, then we would expect as well for advertising to grow that as well. And I think he convinced me. I think he convinced me because these platforms can't grow without making money. Advertising is one of the core ways for people to make money. And I don't know if this is what he implied, but this is part of what I got out of it is if a platform can't make money, then it goes in the opposite direction as well, where 
investments and usage will actually decrease because people aren't going to make money. They're not going to keep building new stuff for it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm, that's interesting. So the, th- so the theory then is that providing the device adoption continues and the attention given to the platforms continue to increase, then advertising becomes almost inevitable because there needs to be revenue sustained. But the difference, I suppose, with this is that similar to, I suppose, the internet, you can generate revenue without advertising potentially. It's almost. It's almost. Or could you? Would you need? Would you need to do the advertising well, to get the discovery? Right? Because place? let's say you are selling a newspaper, you are making revenue by selling a newspaper. Advertising is nice on top of that and drives it. But with the internet, with uh, voice, we can. That is on the internet, right? People expect that to be free, and in, uh, in most cases, mm. certainly uh, with what you're doing, Sarah, Matchbox, you see that some people are willing to pay for things when there's a lot of value there, but they also expect a lot of free stuff as well. I, I don't know your exact numbers, but I imagine that there's a, a much larger contingent of people who are using your free and then hopefully converting to pay. And so if you can say gets uh, one cent CPM, right? Or five cents CPM Mm -hmm. from those free customers, that's automatically a new revenue stream for you. That's new independence, that's new uh, investments and and further experiences. And you could probably get away with that as well, because you could have like question of the day presented by Budweiser, you know, you've got opportunities there. Is that something that, I mean, I don't even know if that would be, would that be allowed in a skill at the moment? Would Would that even get past certification? At the moment, it's not, uh, but I think that's that's something that might be coming at some point. I, I can I can imagine that's going to be coming. So that's a, that's one way of advertising um, again without pissing off your users. Is <laughs> yeah. just kind of having it um, ingrained, not ingrained, but you know, uh, integrated into your content. Um, but also think about uh, if you're a big global brand having a skill on a Alexi device is that's an extension of your advertising. It's an extension of your marketing budget, right? So hopefully global brands will start um, incorporating voice in their marketing departments, like seeing it, like having a whole section of their marketing department devoted to voice so that it's just, just by being there, it's promoting your brand, but it's not a blatant ad, right? Mm. What are your thoughts on um, like, branded promotional skills that are there for marketing campaigns and that are typically short term. So for example, films might launch a film with an interactive story to sit alongside it. Now for that might be a little bit different because you probably can get away with that interactive story still being uh, engaging 12 months later, but for something else like, um, I don't know, more of a campaign based skill, what are your thoughts? Is that what you were getting at when you said going into the marketing department or do you think that everything, do you think there's space for those campaign based things or do you think that everything on voice should have an aim to be engaging and sustained? Yeah. So, um, I think for a lot of customers having, so, you know, we worked with, a, a major television, um, network on creating a skill, um, that was an extension of, um, their show. So you watch the show and then if you want to continue experiencing that throughout the week, you go use the skill. And I just think that's, um, I don't understand why more, 
more film and uh, television companies aren't aren't doing that. It just seems so natural as a way to ex extend the experience. Um, and I know some skills like Chompers, which I just love, uh, was created by, wasn't it Crest or Colgate or something like that? And it's not blatant. It's not, they're not saying buy Colgate or Crest. Um, but it's, I thought that was just a really creative, it's a really creative skill to begin with, but then it's a creative, um, it could be a creative marketing tool. There's so many different ways to enter this and to, to market your brand without having it sound like a commercial, you know? It's just, um, there's, there's terms against, specifically against that at, at the moment, but I think that's going to change. Interesting. Dustin, any final thoughts or final questions for Sarah? No, no, I think we've covered a lot today. Wicked, Sarah. If uh, we'll do the contact details and the links and stuff in a moment, but first, if you could recommend one matchbox skill for somebody to check out today or tomorrow, what would the what would the, your recommendation be out of everything uh, you've got? Well, I have to go back to it. That's really hard to say because it's like your 18 apps. How do I pick one? Um, so, question of the day is just it's our it's our flagship app. If you haven't tried it already, um, give it a shot. Play it for a few days in a row because we really change up the the topics. You might, you know, your memory is going to be jogged by something that you might have learned a long time ago, and you're like, yeah, what was that? What, who was that historical figure? Or what was that television show? Um, and then. Uh, hopefully it's a fun experience for you. And then also, if you haven't tried out Animal Rescue, if you have kids, or even if you don't have kids, if you're just an adult who has some time, check out Animal Rescue. It's just one of my favorite things ever. It's just really creative storytelling. It's interactive. It's an, an hour-long interactive story. You get to save a baby panda or a baby tiger or a baby turtle. Um, but it's all done by voice actors with, um, you know, really great sound design and everything so check that out too fantastic <laughs> and where can people reach out to you or follow the matchbox journey yeah so find us on facebook uh we're facebook.com slash ask qotd or just search for question of the day we're on twitter uh, our handle is matchbox.io and uh, we're also on linkedin matchbox.io fantastic sarah it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for joining us it's been wicked Thanks so much for having me. This has been great. That was Sarah Andrew Wilson of Matchbox. Thank you very much, Sarah, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. And do not forget, we'll be at Project Voice next week in Chattanooga. Do pop along and say hello if you are there. We'll be broadcasting all the podcasts that we record. will be out either during that week or during the week after. So if you're not there, do not worry. We'll try and bring you as many insights from as many of the speakers and people who are attending as we possibly can throughout that week. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's been an absolute pleasure once again. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. See you later.